Ebb and flow inspires persistence and determination during the rhythmical patterns of decline and regrowth in life. Each episode, I bring on an inspiring and influential voices who are here to help us stand strong and walk through the ebb moments of life and propel us to the peak of our health, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so we can live our life in the flow, individually and collectively. This includes strategies, habits, routines, focus tricks, questions, and much more that we can use to live our life in the best way in order to maximize our service to others. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're as excited for the Ebb and Flow podcast as I am, but to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe now on any stream, check out YouTube, or visit SolomonEzra.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to Ebb and Flow with me, Solomon. Over the past month, I took off publishing some shows, and I'm happy to be back to bring some great conversations. I really appreciate you for tuning in, and if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review of the show. Also, I've received some really kind reviews recently of my latest newsletters, so if you'd like to be up to date on things I'm reading, learning about, videos or podcasts I'm watching, quotes, and much more, head over to SolomonEzra.com and sign up at the bottom, or if you wait two seconds on the homepage, you'll see a sidebar of perhaps my favorite photo of me floating in the Dead Sea. On that note, my guest today is the founder of the Superhuman Academy, author of now three books, his latest of which is available this week, The Only Skill That Matters, and host of the award-winning podcast, Becoming Superhuman. I reached out to him to learn about his personal development journey and to gain some tips on learning and growing. I'm very passionate about the serendipitous moments we all experience one or several times that shift our mindset and thus the direction of our life that give us a sense of purpose and direction. Jonathan talks to me through his background and what led him to start the Superhuman Academy. We also discuss tips and tricks Jonathan uses and some that his influential guests share on his podcast. We talk heavily on the idea of journaling and how helpful it can be to not only write your thoughts and feelings, but to track your progress with things you've been working on and for reinforcement. Journaling really helps me see scripts passed on to me that no longer serve me and it helps me see what really resonates with me. I wanted to share this episode because what's my curiosity have sparked? I wanted to learn and how I learn and learn things effectively. As you'll hear Jonathan share, If you can learn anything, you can be anything. And if you can be anything, you can do anything. Well, hello, Jonathan. Thanks for joining the show. My pleasure. Pleasure to meet you. As we get started, I'd love to hear a little bit of background about yourself and what spurred your personal development journey and how you became interested in optimizing different aspects of your life. And as you mentioned, Um, In one of your most popular episodes, you're running into two professors who had these incredible learning abilities, but I'd really love to hear it from your point of view and how the whole opportunity manifested. Yeah, so growing up, I was always, um, I I had difficulty learning and I I was a challenged learner, I guess you could say. And uh, I was a, a bright kid, but I just didn't succeed academically. And throughout school, you know, it was cute to be the class clown at a younger age, and then it got less cute, and then it became a problem, and then I got medicated. And that was really how I made it through high school and college, um, is I would just lock myself in my bedroom and just work harder because everyone else was understanding what was going on in class, and I wasn't. Yeah. And so I uh, I got pretty far with that. I started my own business. I uh, made it through Berkeley, et cetera, et cetera. But I was accepted to uh, an elite business school in Europe and Asia, which was going to be 10 months, but 80% of the curriculum of a two-year MBA. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do that old trick, not least because business school is largely about of course, social and travel and on and on. So I was very fortunate at that time that I actually met two people who were a married couple. One had done a PhD in information theory and machine learning and the other who had worked with uh, children who have special learning needs. And together they uh, really coached me. I hired them as private tutors 
and they coached me in what I eventually would start calling super learning. Mm-hmm. And the rest is kind of history. I went off to business school, uh, was deeply impacted by the skill and, and what I was able to do with the skill attracted a lot of attention. And, and after business school kind of said, well, you know, so many people had asked me how I do this. What if I just taught an online course? And mm-hmm. uh, it, it blew up from there. I applied the things that I teach in the course to learn about how to create online courses in a kind of very meta way, learn about video production, learned about marketing, learned about how marketplace websites work, learned about editing videos. I mean, all this stuff that I didn't really know much about. And the course blew up and six, almost six years later, five and a half years later, we've published three books. The third of which is coming out September 3rd. Uh, many online courses, 15 online courses in all kinds of different topics with many different thought leaders. Uh, we run a website, a top ranking podcast um, called Superhuman Academy and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. <laughs> so you partnered with the two professors? Initially, you yeah. That? Initially, what I did is translate their materials from English to Hebrew. And then as I started turning it more and more into a full-time business, I branched off and we kind of parted ways, though they helped me create a lot of the content. Today, they're not as involved in the business, no. Did you meet them kind of by accident or like? Pretty getting- much, yeah. It was uh, really serendipitous. I, well, that's, that's, I was- that's why I asked because you know what? When you get to talk with so many interesting people, uh, and at least now as I'm beginning that kind of you know journey, you get to talk with amazing, influential people, and there's there seems to be a pattern or some kind of experience or moment that jumps out that really shifts the whole mindset and where all these amazing opportunities come into their awareness. And so I'm really interested in, you know, you didn't seek out super learners. You just maybe, you know, it's it sounds to me so far, and then I'd love to hear more in depth, but it sounds like, you know, you, you had this struggle with, with learning. And I'm curious, like before you got on the train, what's kind of going through your thoughts? And then you meet these people and you're like, holy crap, you know? Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, the old saying, like when the student is ready, the teacher presents himself. Absolutely. That was 100% my experience. I actually what happened was because I was doing a condensed MBA, there were a couple of sacrifices that I wasn't going to get to do as opposed to going to a two-year MBA. And one was I wasn't going to get to do a summer internship in the middle of the MBA program in, in, you know, in between the two different years. And so Mm -hmm. I decided to create that for myself. And I actually moved to Israel. I joined this uh, program called career Israel, which lets you come for five months. And it's basically exactly that. It's like, uh, it, well, it's, it's under this organization, Masa, which is kind of like birthright, but it's five months or 10 months. And they create that for you. And I, I pushed because they wanted to put me, you know, interning at a startup, filing papers or translating stuff. And I was like, guys, I, you know, I sold a company six months ago. I, I'd really like to find an internship where I can really put my skills to the test. And I pushed and pushed. And eventually I, I landed at a venture capital firm called Rhodium. I guess you could call them more of a super angel, but with one of the prominent uh, members of, of a prominent family in Israel that does a lot of startup investing. And completely randomly, someone who was not actually working in the VC fund, but working in one of the startups that the VC fund had invested in and therefore working out of the same offices was Dr. Lev Golden Touch. Uh, and, and it took me about a week to realize that this guy was very different from, from other people and could learn much more effectively than other people. And I just got sucked in and we started talking by the water cooler every day and eventually said, you know, you should really sit with my wife and, and she'll coach you. That's incredible. Yeah. Wild, huh? How, how old were you at the time? I would have been 22 at the time. Very cool. Yeah. So you so you went to on birthright beforehand as well, I'm guessing? 
I did, yeah. But I'm actually Israeli, so uh, my dad's Israeli. I spent a lot of my summers uh, in Israel. Cool. So with that, like, and, and we both grew up Jewish, one thing I've been always kind of um, interested in is kind of correlating how, you know, what's, what's popular in our culture, what's rising is, you know, a focus on optimizing and then mental health. And it's really cool to me to see how it kind of complements or correlates, you know, benefits of what Judaism has, like Shabbat and, and different other kind of things. How, like, um, do, you, do you kind of practice any of what Judaism or other kind of cultures put a focus on? And as other personal development people will say, like, applying the ancient wisdom with modern kind of science? So I have to admit, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not big on religion per se. Uh, I, I'm an avid meditator, which yeah. I guess is a form of spiritual practice. But I don't think that we should throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I think there are, as you said, a lot of things that, that have a ton of value that we can take away. I mean, the Absolutely. idea, like you said, of, of Shabbat. I think is more important now than it was 5,000 years ago. Like we are all so distracted. We are bombarded and, and getting to the real essence of what Shabbat or the Sabbath means is detachment from work, which is super important. And, you know, I'm in all kinds of masterminds and group coaching programs and strategic coaching programs. And one thing that comes up time and time again is the value of high quality rest and recovery so like if you're sitting on Instagram scrolling, you know, sitting on the couch all Saturday scrolling through Instagram, you're not really resting. Resting yeah. is completely detaching from all your digital devices, not checking your emails and spending time out in nature with your family, having a barbecue, you know, in the shade of a tree. Uh, and I do practice that and I try to have at least one detox day a week where I'm just mm-hmm. as minimally on my phone as practically possible. Um, and I think that's super valuable. I also like the idea of once a week connecting, you know, usually for us, it's Friday night cause I live in Israel uh, and yeah. having quality time with family, which is blocked off, right? That's that yeah. seven to nine or 10 PM slot is just sacred space. I, there's nothing else I could rather be doing than spending time with my family um, and I think that's, that's a huge and valuable thing that Judaism practices. I don't know how much other religions practice it, but Friday night dinner is, it's like an institution in this yeah. country to the extent where if you are visiting here and someone discovers that you will be here on a Friday, their immediate question is not what hotel will you stay at? It will be, where are you eating Friday night dinner? And do you need somewhere to go? Uh, and I think there's huge value to that as well, because I once heard Naval Ravikant say on the Tim Ferriss show uh, that depression takes a lot of isolation. It's impossible to be depressed if you don't have the space and the isolation to, to stew in your own thoughts. And recently research has shown this, that like after a really hard day that beats you up emotionally, we all want to just click on Netflix or scroll through Facebook and, and sulk into our own thoughts. But Actually, the research shows that the best thing we can do to recover is get out around other people. Uh, and I think that's another super valuable thing of the Jewish tradition. And especially in Israel, how everything kind of shuts down. Yeah, well, I live in Tel Aviv, so you'd be surprised oh, <laughs> how much trouble I can get into on a Friday night. But yeah, in, certainly in parts of the country and in Jerusalem particularly. Yeah, my uh, brother lives up Pretty in- easy to keep Shabbat. Oh, cool. Yeah, very nice. So with all the super learning and the superhuman academy, and you have, you have so many things going on, how do you set up your priorities and like processes to, able, to where you're able to, can I get into that flow that we're all interested in? And you mentioned in one of your latest episodes where you get somebody to set up kind of organizational stuff. So you can just kind of get into it, whether it's writing or setting up a course or whatnot. Yeah, well, so I, I have a couple of different tools that I use. Uh, and, and one of them is sounds so simple, but it's something we do company-wide. 
is just thinking about my crucial results for each week. It's like, it's so easy to get into a reactive state where you do whatever fire pops up first, whether that means, you know, the first thing you do is you answer all your Slack messages in the day or you answer your emails. And if you do that, you're working on someone else's priorities, not on your own. And you're never going to get to your own high ticket priority items. So in our entire company, what we do is each person has at least one, but sometimes up to three crucial results that they need to accomplish that week. And that makes it really hard for me to get distracted by little stupid stuff like iMessages or uh, you know scrolling Facebook because I know next week I'm accountable to everyone else on my team and I'm going to have to report back and say, did I get this crucial result done? Um, another tool that I really like is um, the Eisenhower decision matrix. So it rates things on a scale, on a, on a two axis scale of essentially, is it important or not important, urgent or not important, not urgent. And you want to spend as much of your time as possible working on things that are important, but not urgent. Cause those are things like planning ahead, taking care of your health, uh, strategic thinking, rest and relaxation. None of those things are urgent, but they are in fact the most important things in your life. And so much of the time we end up working on things that are urgent, but not important. Uh, you know, email is urgent, but it's not important. And uh, I think if people just think about that and, and ask themselves, how much of my day am I spending in each of these various quadrants they, they will get a lot more results, a lot more mileage for their effort. That's interesting. Do you use that for different aspects of your life, not just work then? I try to, I try to. I mean, I have a lot of tools that I teach in, in various different courses, things like the Wheel of Life, where I really try to assess the quality of the things that I'm doing and how much they're impacting different areas of my life and moving me forward. Um, I mean, I, I've been obsessed with personal development for over a decade, right? So you can imagine like just how many little weird things. I was talking to my wife yesterday and she was like, you spend too much time talking about learning. And I was like, well, what do you mean, babe? <laughs> like, that's what I do. She's like, no, if someone were to observe your life, they would realize that learning is, is a big part, but it's only a part of all the stuff that you do to perform your best every day, whether it's, you know, breathing exercises or journaling or, or free writing or, or weekly reviews of everything I'm doing. I mean, I have a lot of weird habits that I think, I think are, are pretty normal and natural, but probably to the outside person is like, wait, you take how many supplements every day? You, you diffuse what kind of oil in your house? What kind of glass? Why are you wearing those orange glasses? Those kinds of things. Cool. Well, that, that's a good transition because you've had the opportunity to get a lot of those insights from a bunch of different superhumans, as you call them, whether it's with wearing the different glasses or uh, taking different supplements. Can you kind of share throughout a day, um, you know, from sleep, like the most important co or coolest habits and practices you've learned? Oh, I love that question, man. I, I'm grateful to be able to answer that question because I wish more people asked me. I end up just like talking my wife's ear off about this stuff. Like, by the, way, by the way, I listened to some episodes and you like to, uh, it sounds like you like to talk about like her, like uh, in your latest episode with the digital, I forgot her name, but it's oh, so yeah. funny. Like you're talking about how she's like complete opposite of you. <laughs> and I'm listening. It's funny to how that works, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, she is, after all, the most important person in my life. So yeah. she comes up a lot. Um, so I, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying, like, this is an ideal day, but this is not every day. I'm human. I, I was deprived of REM sleep and I slept till 1130 on Sunday, you know? So like, I'm human and, and I don't want anyone to think that I have everything figured out because I don't. But on a perfect day, I wake up. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but can we put like a bookmark on that too? Like the whole idea of like, I'm not perfect, I'm human. Cause I feel like at least yeah. I grew up, you know, like I played college basketball. And so what's a lot of like the media and society like put on, you know, you have to do this made many shots every single day. And so for someone like myself that would, that grew up so passionate about that, you know, I would take that literally. So, I mean, like I said, put like a bookmark on it, but I think it's also very important yeah. 
of that, that whole part of your human, you know, giving yourself compassion. But I digress. We'll come back to that. Yeah, I have, I've got a lot to say on that. Um, so on a perfect day, I wake up at 5.30 in the morning. I go to the couch. I meditate, usually transcendental, for 20 minutes. Uh, I'd love to say that I hit the second meditation, but most days I don't, which is supposed to be at 4 p.m. Sometimes I'll use a muse. Sometimes I won't. It depends on if I want to mess around with my phone to set up the muse or not. I will then uh, do the two-minute debrief of the meditation, which is just kind of sitting back and relaxing. Uh, Before I've done this, I've downed a glass of water first thing when I wake up, brush my teeth with uh, an all-natural tooth powder full of clay, which is another kind of weird thing. Uh, Put on my Apple Watch. I I always wear my Aura ring, so I'm already tracking. Uh, But Apple Watch helps me with the next thing after the meditation, which is I will do three, usually three rounds of Wim Hof Method breathing while I do, and I'm using the Apple Watch to track my heart rate as I do that in a visual way. Um, As I do that, I'm also journaling, do a little bit of gratitude journaling, a little bit of writing about past night's dreams, a little bit of documenting current events and emotions that I might, depending on where I am in the week, I might write out objectives for the week for myself in preparation to interface with my team. Uh, I might journal on problems that I'm facing. By the time I finish journaling, I'm usually about done my Wim Hof method. I'll have an RX bar, which is just a good way to get 200 clean calories in. Mm -hmm. Go for a cross, uh, wake up my wife, harass her, cuddle her for 20 or 30 minutes until she gets out of bed. Um, Then go to CrossFit for an hour, do a really intense workout. Ideally, I'm trying to get my heart rate above 180 beats per minute which for an old fart like me is, is quite a bit. Um, come old, home and shower or shower at the gym and then start my work day. How old are you, by the way? 32. Oh, old fart. Right. Well, a year max heart rate, I promise you, is, uh, is significantly higher than mine, Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, uh, for, sorry, go ahead. Do you like to... Uh, drinking like some certain coffees and stuff. Like I, I listened to your episode with Ben Greenfield and he's all into that, you know? Yeah. So I've got a different, a different concoction for each different mental state that I want to be in though. Sometimes I just crave coffee. Um, I'll drink either regular coffee, yerba mate or mushroom coffee or decaf coffee. If I'm taking some kind of pill uh, stimulant, such as a Ritalin, Modafinil, um, or even like a Paracetam. I don't use Paracetam very much these days, uh, but it's usually one of those different things. Uh, lately, I've been using a lot of essential oils as well for influencing mood. Uh, at work, you know, I, I try to work at a standing desk as much as I can. I'm at a standing desk now. Um, I... I mean, I could spend hours talking about all the different tools I use on my digital devices to keep me in flow, but different podcasts for a different day. Try to leave work around three or four um, and then go do something I enjoy, whether that's watching a documentary. Lately, I've been knitting a lot and listening to audiobooks. Sometimes I'll play piano. Sometimes I'll go meet friends. Um, Sometimes I'll work on programming different things, electronics in the smart home which has been a recent hobby. Uh, And then uh, spend time with my wife, have dinner. And uh, ideally, I'm in bed at nine o'clock reading with orange uh, blue blocking glasses, Um, cranking the temperature way down low, trying to get my body into the sleep state. Um, And then in a perfect world, I'm asleep at 10 to make it all happen again the next day. Doesn't always happen. Anyone who does not live alone will tell you there's always outside factors. Um, but that's a, that's a perfect day uh, with my kind of whole biohacking routine. I missed telling, like, I, I take a bunch of supplements in the morning, uh, sometimes in the afternoon. Yeah, we can dive into any piece of that as you wish. Um, before we dive into, like, specific ones, which is – you know, that's awesome. It's, it's so fun to also craft like a perfect day 
and just even like totally. mentally visualize it like through uh, meditations. I'm curious, um, like I said, before diving to like each specific one, how did you come to practice and create that routine? Meaning like finding what's best for you and testing out different days, like because maybe you did one meditation and it doesn't work out well for you and mm -hmm. or some supplements kind of give you a headache or something or you overdose it or you, you know how that goes. Like the experimentation sometimes can kind of go wrong and it might affect the rest of the day. Totally. So I would love to say that I, I've always journaled or written down or done spreadsheets tracking. I don't do any of that stuff. I'm not as uh, quantitative in yeah. this problem. I actually have to hire people in my business to help me be more quantitative and track metrics for me. Mm -hmm. um, so what I do is I go off how I feel. And lately, I've had much more success implementing and, and tracking routines since my buddy Ben Hardy got me into journaling because it makes it much easier to look back on days and go, oh, this was a day I, I'm writing here, you know, it's 5.30, I'm up, right now I'm doing this. And then I look at the next day and the next day says, wow, yesterday was an amazing day. I was in such a good mood all day, you know? So it's much easier when you have that data at your fingertips. But also I, I've really learned like Kaizen is a much more powerful way. I used to do this thing when I was younger and this gets to the second question of, of kind of self-compassion and, uh, being human and accepting that you're human. Mm -hmm. I used to do this thing where it's like, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to start and I'm not going to eat a single gram of carbs. And then I'm going to wake up at five 30 and I'm going to work out for two hours. And just like trying to beat myself into submission and it never worked. I would never make it more than a couple of days. Yeah. As if I gradually do it, it's like, okay, maybe first I'll start waking up at five 30 and just sitting on the couch and thinking and drinking a glass of water and calling that a win. Tomorrow, you know, day after, day after, day after. And then after a week or so, maybe I'll start adding in meditation, seeing how I feel. I'll start adding in journaling. And it really is a point of finding the things that resonate with you. You know, mm -hmm. yoga doesn't resonate for me. I know it resonates for so many people, but um, I prefer, you know, different kinds of stretching and different kinds of getting into my body. So finding the things that are right for you is going to make it easier um, to gradually add these things in. How soon did, uh, did you mention you, like, would it be best for somebody to recognize if something works for them? Cause like, you know, you may have tried yoga for like a week, like you can't just try it for like a couple of days and like, yeah, this isn't for me. So like, what's like yeah. a, yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, consistency is, is the mm -hmm. most powerful force in the universe, right? It's like, if, if you do one minute of yoga a day, every day for a year, it's going to be way better than doing 365 minutes of yoga for, you know, uh, a day or even two days or even three days. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I would say that one of the best things I've heard in a long time is something that came up in our private mastermind. We did a challenge on habit elimination or habit change with uh, the folks behind One Year No Beer. So it was Andy Ramage who was hosting it. And they have this concept that they call eating the marshmallows. And so it's the idea is like really simple. Um, normally when you change something, you wait to recognize the benefits. And you say, you know, there's, there's no chance that the yoga is already affecting me. So you wait, like you don't admit to the benefit and what they say is like, don't wait till the end. They're referencing kind of a, a psychological experiment where the children were told to wait till the end to eat the marshmallows. They're like, eat the marshmallow. So when they had, I chose, everyone in the mastermind chose a different challenge. My challenge was no TV. I'm like a, I love TV. Like if you leave me to my own devices, I watch way too much TV, like documentaries and all kinds of stuff. I love film. So I gave up TV for a month to see what I could achieve. And from day one, it was all about eat the marshmallows, like journal on what you felt today that you wouldn't have felt. What you're doing is you're reinforcing that habit because it's no longer, oh, I didn't get to watch this or I didn't get to do that. You're turning it and reframing it in uh, a different way that 
you're selling the benefits to yourself. So right away it was like, wow, I got so much more done in the evening. I actually read this book that I've been putting off for so long. The next day it was, wow, I spent such higher quality time with my wife because we weren't sitting in front of the TV together. Um, so eat those marshmallows, right? And if it's meditation, take a moment. And I recommend journaling because journaling has been the best habit that I picked up yeah. in at least the last two years. Um, but journaling on it and and maybe even taking advantage of placebo effect, right? Like if you did yoga once, write about it. Like, oh, hey, my hip feels really nice and loose today. I didn't have that weird pain that I normally get. Or just it was so nice to be outside and breathing and doing yoga in the park. Eat those marshmallows and, uh, and it becomes much easier. So you really just journal about all of that. That's interesting. I try to. Yeah, I try to. Very cool. Because and like I'm the memory expert, right? But even I will tell you that our memory is is not that reliable, especially not about the way that we felt or the way that we behaved. I mean, unless you actually devote time and energy to memorizing all these different things, it's unreliable. And so, and you wouldn't do that. I mean, I, I would never advocate someone using all the stuff that I teach. Uh, in the course to memorize something as silly as that. Just write it down. Just keep a log. And yeah. then when I go back and I say, wow, I was I was super happy. I was happier in April than I am right now. You know, I was just, I was so full of energy and enthusiasm. Why was that? And then I go and I figure out, oh, I was working on this really cool project. Okay, so maybe I should do another project like that at work and, and not this project that I've been working on. Or, wow, I was, okay, I, I can see in my writing that I'm just happier and more excited and more energized when I actually do my Wim Hof method. So I better stop skipping that on the mornings when I wake up late, you know, and I'll just do it as I'm getting dressed or whatever it takes to do it. You track that with like what you you may be eating and stuff as well? Not so much. Not, so um, much eating. not I don't journal so much on my eating because I know that I feel better when I eat better. Yeah. Sometimes it's not possible. Uh, my mother-in-law cooks very well, but not nice not as healthy as I would like, but, um, but you know, uh, that's one of those things that I, I try to break as little as possible. Yeah. So you physically journal too, right? Like not just type of stuff. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, will recommend that you write it in Evernote or text files or whatever. Yeah. I just, I want to spend less time in front of my digital devices yeah. more. And if, if anyone says, well, what if your journal gets destroyed? Totally. Uh, take a picture of it, scan it, upload it to Evernote. Evernote will actually do the optical character recognition for you. That's cool. But for me, yeah, it's awesome. But for me, I, I don't want to spend any more time on my devices than I already do. I mean, I, I run a remote company, so you can yeah. imagine like, my whole life is on devices. So I try for my hobbies uh, and passions and things that I do for myself to not be. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I don't use the Muse as much as I probably should is because it's just one more thing that I have to look at my phone for. No, absolutely. And I love, you know, the actual writing. The only thing I would kind of say is, or a question about it, that where Evernote and those things come in handy is, you know, when you want to look back to a specific date, you know, mm -hmm. having a journal, like, I don't know if you can still see me, but I have like my journal right here. It's like, but I have several of them. So like the, the stack also builds up. <laughs> totally. And I know a lot of people will just hire an assistant to scan that stuff and upload oh, cool. it. I'm probably not going to do that. Um, but, but I also, you know, I, I, use, I use some best practices to make the journaling better. So mm -hmm. I new page, new day. I don't like split pages, which just makes it easy for me to scan. I know one page is one day. And if I skip 20 pages, I'm going to get about 20 days, give or take, because I might skip a day. Um, and so that makes it a little bit easier as well. Very cool. Yeah. You gave me some great ideas for what else to kind of journal. Cause sometimes I'll just, you know, journal what I'm feeling or what went well, or I really like what you said about like when you're eating the marshmallows you know, you gave up TV. And so instead of like, you might have journaled, you know, how, it, how you felt, but you also focus on writing, okay, what, what you kind of exchanged it for what good came out of it. Yeah. 
And, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice to have a, a record of how certain things made me feel. <laughs> it's just a super powerful tool because I can go back. And, and there have been numerous periods in my life. I only started journaling in November of last year. So this is a relatively new habit for me. Mm-hmm. But there have been various periods of my life. Like I wish, I, I just remember 2016 was like the happiest year of my life. I was ecstatic. I was high on life at all times. And I just wish I had a journal entry where I could go back and figure out like what was so freaking great about 2016. Uh, what was I doing differently? I know my, I, I know some rough stuff. My diet was really, really tight. I was exercising a ton, just a ton. Um, and I was spending more time out in nature because I was living on the beach. But besides that, like what supplements was I taking and who was I spending my time with? Because maybe I was spending time with friends that, you know, motivate me and, and yeah. energize me. So I wish I had that record. We, we, we love to find, you know, what kind of pin solutions to the things so we can repeat it for sure. Totally. Um, I lost, I was, I had, so I was going to ask just about that. It'll come to me, but, um, one of the things uh, I, I noticed you also had an episode with Dave Asprey and I recently finished listening to um, his book game changers and mm-hmm. it stemmed. I'm really curious because you've had the opportunity to interview so many great people. What would you say are the top kind of five things that you, um, that the guests have shared? Like that's a, a pattern in most of their th- um, recommendations or habits or, life yeah. yeah great question so a couple of different things come up time and time again um i i've kind of realized like it, it's a it's a tripod but um th- then rob wolf added this whole other element so the ones that come up again are not going to surprise you get good sleep fix your nutrition exercise and move your body and then the fourth one that that i think people don't talk about as much on my show because it's all about hacking your body but have your social bonds nailed down in such a way that you're spending time with people you love who bring you joy um other stuff that comes up time and time and time again meditation comes up a lot as you Mm -hmm. can imagine i mean there's kind of not a whole lot of surprises here um Eating high quality foods comes up a lot. And then there's all kinds of other more esoteric stuff that I think is coming up more and more. Breathing techniques come up a pretty good amount, whether it's Wim Hof method, pranayama. Uh, these come up a fair bit on the show. Um, and then, yeah, we talk about memory techniques quite a bit, memory and learning, because that's what I do and that's, that's what my course is about and uh, what my latest book is about. Very cool. Do you, did you have to change up your kind of meditations often? Like you said, now it's transcendental, but like when yeah. you were starting, like when did you, how long did it take and how many kind of experiments of trying different stuff did you, did it take to really nail down what you consistently will do today? Yeah. Well, I started out with um, kind of a Vipassana focused on breath I experimented with Trataka, which is like focus point meditation. Uh, And it all works great. I think the reason I like TM is it's just easier. It's easier to get yourself back on track when you lose focus. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I find it just a little bit more engaging, which I think is why most people do it. Uh, But I've spent years and years and years trying different kinds of meditation. um, And TM is just the latest of those. Nice. Uh, along with what we were speaking a little bit earlier with, um, you know, getting to know yourself essentially and being compassionate uh, and, you know, what you were suggest- saying, a lot of the super, learn- super humans suggested, one, one big thing I'd always been kind of curious about is like decision making. And um, what's the guy's name? It has that book called Hell Yes or No? Um, Derek Sivers. Yes, thank you. Derek Sivers. You know, it's, do you ever question sometimes, like maybe when you're journaling, not just what you're feeling, but why you may be feeling that way or why you said hell yes to this or no to this? 
Cause it's like, it's something I've been curious about. Cause I feel like, you know, sometimes my initial thought is no, but I'm like, also have the, well, hold on a second. Like there's from experience now, you know, when I change that to a hell, like a yes, you know, you never know what could come up like at this event or something else. So it's like, do you ever, do you have maybe any insight about the, you know, why am I saying hell yes or no to this or making a decision? Like even like I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I do try to journal on why I'm feeling and thinking the way that I'm feeling and thinking. Uh, and actually I, I, I you would think that like you wouldn't get a lot of insight because you're thinking about your thinking. Uh, and, and you'd think that everything would be clear, but oftentimes we lie to ourselves more than anyone else. And, um, I, I've actually had these like light bulb moments. I had one yesterday where I was just like, Oh, that's probably why I'm not enjoying this is because of this. Or yesterday I made a list. Uh, I'll be like completely transparent. I made a list of reasons why I think I'm less happy now than I was a year ago. Right. And it's, I'm not like miserable, but I'm less happy than I was a year ago. And so I made this whole list, like instead of just churning over again and again and again, like, why am I less happy? I actually just made a list. Like here are the 20 possible reasons why I might be less happy. Well, I'm not really enjoying this project that, that I'm working on at work. And a year ago I was working on something that was way more uh, exciting for me. And I had a bigger learning curve. Um, you know, I haven't, I've only been working out two or three times a week instead of four to five times a week. And it was very easy to then take that list and, and put it into action. So I oftentimes do journal about that kind of stuff. Um, because, uh, I think, I think we can get into these like thought loops otherwise. Absolutely. So it's, it's interesting too. And I like to do, you know, like similar, um, one thing like I've recently been taught though, or kind of suggested is, you know, like we're also, we're all very quick to want to label, you know, how we're feeling or something. And with like your experience with meditation and holds like spirituality, do you ever like kind of sit back and even though you may say that you aren't necessarily as happy, where, where does that come from? And like, how do you sit with it and maybe try not pinning a solution to that? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, as as much as I'm not into uh, organized religion per se, yeah. uh, I, I spent a couple years really digging as deep as I could into spirituality. And it's it's probably a well that I need to go back into and kind of a, a Pandora's box that I need to reopen because I had some experiences where I think I flew a little too close to the sun and got kind of very... I got to got to some scary places with it because as one can, I mean, you may know from like uh, Kabbalah where mm-hmm. you shouldn't be allowed to study it if you're not a certain age because you can you can kind of go off the deep end if you go too far too fast. In any case, it's it's probably a well that you're right. I probably should reopen um, and figure out why and and sit with that as well. Very cool. Uh, I know we're kind of coming close to a fairly end and I want to be as respectful as as time one thing like continuing on the journaling in addition to not only journaling how one's feeling and then add that with the whole idea of figuring out what works best for you or me or anybody and figuring out that quickly and effectively do you have any um as you know, like the popular saying, and one thing I'm really interested in is questions. The more questions you have, the, the kind of deeper you can get in understanding and figuring out yourself. Do you have any specific questions you ask yourself, maybe daily, weekly, you know, to align different stuff as well as understand how you're feeling and, you know, what's important now? Or as Steve yeah. Jobs, I like, I like have a, I have a picture or not a picture, but a, uh, a, a stamp what is it called? A sticky note <laughs> on a mirror with, uh, in, in Tim Ferriss's book, I saw the, uh, Steve Jobs quote, if today was my last day, what I want to be doing, what I'm about to do today. Um, anything like no, that. I, 
I don't have a lot of those questions, but that's another good takeaway for me from this episode is, is I should have more. I think I spend a lot of time asking myself, what are my crucial results right now? What are the mm-hmm. things that I should be focused on right now? Uh, and that goes through my head at all times, not just in work, but like right now, one of the things I really need to be focusing on is this real estate investment project outside of my work uh, and this like apartment complex that I want to buy. And so right now, I'm trying to constantly remind myself, what is the the one thing that I should be most focused on right now? And it's that. Um, but I like, I like the idea of having more of these questions. I do often ask myself, is what I'm doing right now aligned with my core values? And I have 10 core values. And I, and I often think about that. And then I figure out which core value uh, I'm serving right now. Yeah. I found it, I find it challenging to, to be sometimes to be honest in what really is the most important. And that's where like getting better at, you know, judgment comes in because I heard, uh, Kyle C say on Bulletproof Radio one time, he was like, the, the, the less, or if you don't find stuff to do creatively, your mind will find creative ways to destroy you or something, something like that. I would have to find what exactly it was, but I was like, wow, that kind of hit me. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> what habits um, do you wish you had at, you know, my age, 22, 23, although I know you were also getting started. That's when you really kind of yeah. Uh, I wish that I meditated. I wish that I, I mean, I was a really avid reader. I I was reading more than uh, by twenty four. I was reading really a lot. That's when I kind of learned to speed read, and I just started devouring everything. Um, I I guess I wish that I'd discover CrossFit sooner, just because I enjoy it, not because I think I'd be in better or worse shape at this point, but I think I would have enjoyed working out more. Um, and no, I think that's it. I think that's it. I, I'm pretty happy with my habits as they are. Nice. Uh, this next question I kind of took surprisingly from you know, Oprah Super Soul Sunday. One time I was listening to her interview with, um, Paolo Coelho from the author of The Alchemist. Mm-hmm. The, the like question just struck me somehow. But it was, so what I'm asking you is, what was the kind of, well, she just says, what was the lesson that took you the longest to learn? But I'm, I rephrase it to kind of, in your personal development journey, and, you know, as you mentioned, and, you know, it's a con- continuous journey. There's always areas of improvement. What lesson did you find you kind of kept running in circles with or take took you longest to learn (laughs) what process did it take me the longest to learn self-love lesson what lesson self-love it's it's the same one uh self-love and just learning like really fundamentally how to love myself uh and learning that i can do more to grow myself if I do that from a place of love than a place of hate. You can love yourself and still want to improve yourself and you will have better results as opposed to, God, I hate that I, I say so many stupid things. Why can't I just, no, just change it. Learn, learn how to love yourself and, and therefore to improve yourself. Cool. What advice would you give to uh, somebody my age or a recent college graduate entering, you know, whether it's the working world or the real world or whatever that next step is. I would say, I mean, it's in line with, with my book and the title of the book. I think the only skill that matters is knowing how to learn, unlearn and relearn. Mm -hmm. And so I would invest very heavily in your ability and fluency in the learning skill set. We didn't get to talk too, too much about, memory techniques or, or speed reading or any of those kinds of things, but those resources are out there. Uh, and I would invest in that because in your lifetime, especially people your age are going to go through more careers and more interest fields and more job roles than any generation before them. And they will either be able to keep up or they won't. Very cool. Yeah, you have... I wanted to, you know, I'd love to dive in more about the, all the, the hacks that you have, whether it's for speed reading or memory, 
but I also realize, you know, there, there's so many other resources out there and people can go onto your site uh, and, and find out, you know, and watch videos and also sign up for the different courses as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. We actually recently launched uh, something we call Superhuman Squad, which is our all-access pass. They can actually get access to all of our courses for just $49 a month. Or if they want, they can pick up a copy of my latest book, The Only Skill That Matters, for something like 5 bucks on Amazon. And that teaches a lot of the different techniques as well. And the new book comes out September 3rd, you said? That is correct. Very cool. Congrats. Thank you, you have any, you have any uh, writing techniques or advice <laughs> for somebody who wants to write a book? I know something I want um, to hear. Yeah, I actually, I've, I've written three books and this time I wrote it with Tucker Max's company, Scribe. So I flew out to Austin and I worked with some of their coaches and went through their process of writing the book. Uh, and it was phenomenal. And I highly, highly recommend anyone who wants to write a book, check yeah. them out because they have a bulletproof process. If there is a book in you, they will get it out. So you would just, that's, that's actually really interesting. So you reach out to them and they kind of like, you would go meet with them and. Yeah, you can do, uh, they have a couple different programs, but you essentially do a workshop and then they guide you through the whole process of writing a book. So how long does it necessarily take? Do you break it down to daily, uh, how much to write? They do. Yeah. And, uh, and it's usually like four or five or six months to write your book and then another six months or so to go through all the other publishing processes in addition to whatever other work you're doing or was that, does that become your main focus? No, that's in addition. Awesome. All right, Jonathan. Yeah, it's cool. Their company is called Scribe. Cool. I'm definitely going to check that out. Nice. All right, Jonathan, what is the gift you'd like to share with the world? That if you can learn anything, you can be anything. And if you can be anything, you can do anything. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you very much for coming on the show. And again, it's a true honor to be able to speak with you and all the people that you've spoken to and, and bring all the culmination of different stuff that you've learned and continue to learn and, and pass it down to someone like myself. You know, it's, I'm on that journey, just like you mentioned earlier about running into those very cool professors and from then on just absolutely changing the direction and shift of your whole life and being able to give back. So again, I I really appreciate the honor of talking with you and at the beginning, seeing you. (laughs) It is my pleasure. Pleasure to meet you. I hope to meet you in Israel sometime soon. Yeah. Let me know next time you're here. Cool. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to these wonderful gifts, which I hope have brought you some great value. We have many more guests to come and gifts pour over this world. And don't forget, if you have enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear some more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast or that little star on Outcast. I'm always looking for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, check out SolomonEzra.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter about new podcasts and blogs.